0: It's July 27th, 2022, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Grant Haver. Chris Kotnor is out on special assignment. Our top story today, despite damaging Western sanctions imposed on Russia in the wake of the invasion of Ukraine, Russia's economy appears to be weathering the storm better than expected as it benefits from high energy prices, the International Monetary Fund said yesterday. The IMF's latest world economic outlook upgraded Russia's GDP estimate for this year by a remarkable 2.5 percentage points, although its economy is still expected to contract by 6%. That's still a fairly sizable recession in Russia in 2022, IMF Chief Economist Pierre-Olivier Gorinchas told AFP in an interview. He went on to say, rising energy prices are providing an enormous amount of revenues to the Russian economy. In case you thought it was all good news for Russia, Gorinchas said there is no rebound ahead for Russia. In fact, the IMF is revising down the Russian growth in 2023 1.2 points lower than the April forecast for a contraction of 3.5%. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has approved the treatment of wounded Ukrainian soldiers at a U.S. military base in Germany, according to a memo obtained by CNN and confirmed by two U.S. defense officials. The plan would allow Ukrainian troops to be treated at a U.S. military hospital For the first time since Russia invaded the country in February, it allows for the treatment of up to 18 wounded soldiers at a time at Landstall Regional Medical Center, the massive hospital in Germany where the military has for years treated U.S. service members who suffered injuries in combat. The first train transporting sanctioned cargo, whose transportation was prohibited by Lithuania earlier. Has arrived in the Kaliningrad region of Russia, Dmitry Lizkov, the press secretary for the Kaliningrad regional governor, told Interfax. Kaliningrad is the small piece of Russian territory surrounded by Poland and Lithuania on the Baltic Sea. On June 17th, Lithuania restricted the transit of steel, ferrous metals, and other sanctioned goods to the region as EU sanctions took effect and said it was due to guidelines set by the European Commission. In response, Moscow made a serious diplomatic effort to resolve this issue and said that it would prepare resolute economic measures in retaliation. On July 13th, the European Commission capitulated, permitting Russia to transport sanctioned goods by rail to and from the Kaliningrad region via EU territory with certain restrictions. Elsewhere, President Joe Biden will speak with Chinese President Xi Jinping on Thursday, a White House official tells CNN, as tensions between the two countries rise amid reports that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is considering a visit to Taiwan. The expected call comes as national security officials are quietly working to convince Pelosi of the risks her potential trip could pose during a highly sensitive moment between the self-governing island and China. Sources familiar with the Speaker's plans say she is planning to visit in the upcoming weeks as part of a broader trip to Asia and has invited both Democrats and Republicans to accompany her. If she goes, she would be the first House Speaker to visit in a quarter of a century a member of Viktor Orban's inner circle, has resigned after the Hungarian prime minister spoke out against becoming peoples of mixed race. Zuza Hegidas, who has known the nationalist Mr. Orban for 20 years, described the speech as a pure Nazi text, according to Hungarian media. The speech took place on Saturday in a region of Romania, which has a large Hungarian community. In it, Mr. Orban said European peoples should be free to mix with one another, but that mixing with non-Europeans created a, quote, mixed-race world. Quote, we are willing to mix with one another, but we do not want to become peoples of mixed race, he said. During his speech, the Hungarian leader also appeared to make light of the Nazi gas chambers in World War II when he criticized the EU's plan to cut gas demand by 15 percent, by pointing out that "The past shows us Germany know-how on that." We have the final results of the Tunisian constitutional referendum, and as expected, 94.6 percent of those who voted support the new constitution. However, fewer than a third of Tunisians actually cast a ballot: Tunisia's new constitution would give the head of state full executive control, supreme command of the army, and the ability to appoint a government without parliamentary approval. It would also weaken Tunisia's judiciary and remove checks on the powers of the presidency. If you listen to Next in Foreign Policy, you've heard me raising the alarm for a while about how a global economic downturn, COVID, and food shortages are a perfect mix for toppling weak democratic governments and the rise of authoritarians. As we continue to grapple with the impacts of these issues at home, it's important for the United States and our allies to find ways to support countries with weak democracies, or we might emerge from Biden's first term with fewer democracies than we had going in. Authorities in Mexico City seized more than 1.6 metric tons of cocaine on Tuesday in what's believed to be the biggest ever bust of its kind in the Mexican capital. Hundreds of packets of cocaine, believed to originate from Colombia, were found in hidden compartments inside two trailers on the outskirts of the city. In conjunction with the seizure, four men were arrested on suspicion of being involved in the Sinaloa cartel. Bangladesh has sought a $4.5 billion loan from the IMF, the country's leading newspaper reports, joining South Asian neighbors Pakistan and Sri Lanka in seeking help to cope with mounting pressures on their economies. Bangladesh's foreign exchange reserves fell from $45.5 billion to just under $40 billion as of July 20th which is sufficient for imports for more than five months. The Bangladesh Central Bank recently announced a policy to preserve dollars by discouraging imports of luxury goods, fruits, non cereal foods, and canned and processed foods. The government has also imposed other austerity measures, including cuts to development spending, and has pleaded to reduce energy use as the country has experienced lengthy blackouts in recent weeks. In lighter news, miners in northeast Angola have discovered a rare, pure pink diamond they believe to be the largest rough diamond of its kind to be unearthed in 300 years. The Australian site operator named the 170-carat stone the Lulo Rose. Similar stones, once cut and polished, have sold for record-breaking prices. The Pink Star, a 59-carat pink diamond, sold for $71.2 million in 2017, the most expensive ever. That's all the news we have for you today. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at podcasts at the DSRnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief and bonus weekend briefs. This weekend, we'll speak with Ollie Wine about his new book, America's Great Power Opportunity, Revitalizing U.S. Foreign Policy to Meet the Challenges of Strategic Competition. If you want more in depth discussion of these issues, be sure to follow the links in the show notes to read our sources and tune into Deep State Radio to hear David Rothkoff talk with Corey Shockey, Rosa Brooks, Ed Luce, and David Sanger on the fifth anniversary of Deep State Radio, and next in Foreign Policy, where Zoe and I talk with Sasha Ghosh simonov about the war in Syria and Biden's trip to the Middle East. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief.